Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast, a podcast where we interview faculty, students, staff, and alums of the Beyond Boundaries series of courses and the Beyond Boundaries program at Washington University in St. Louis. In this podcast, we aim to reach across the digital divide and highlight engaging stories told by Beyond Boundaries faculty and students at WashU and their ideas for future work and play. We hope to give you a window into what Beyond Boundaries is, featuring the next generation of interdisciplinary thinkers and collaborators whose aim is to leverage curiosity across disciplines in an effort to solve some of the most complex and challenging problems we face in the world today. My name is Rob Morgan, and I am the director of the Beyond Boundaries program at WashU and a teaching professor in the area of design and the performing arts department. Enjoy the show. My guest today on the Beyond Boundaries podcast is Aisha Adedayo. She is a current first-year student in the middle of her first year at Washington University in St. Louis in the Beyond Boundaries program. She also took a gap year and worked for the uh, Army National Guard. We're going to talk about that, but uh, I'm just so excited to have Aisha on the podcast because she took two, she, should I say she survived? <laughs> two of my classes last semester, and uh, she just, I think, uh, exemplified the type of student that we love to have in Beyond Boundaries. Curious, uh, intellectual explorer. She's got all kinds of great ideas we're going to talk about today, but I am just so delighted to have Aisha on the podcast today. Aisha, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so good to have you. You are joining us from your hometown of... Twin Cities. Twin Cities. I would say Minneapolis. But. Okay. Minneapolis, St. Paul. I know there's sometimes yeah. some animosity between those cities, but um, <laughs> having lived there myself. Uh, but we're just so glad to have you joining us from, from up north, up north in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself, a little bit of your backstory, um, where you went to high school, uh, family, that type of thing. Yeah. So, um, I was born in Nigeria, Ibadan, Nigeria, to be specific. Um, And my family immigrated to the United States when I was about six years old. Um, We came straight to Minnesota because my dad had uh, a a friend, his best friend actually lives in Minnesota. And and it's crazy because now we live literally like down the block from his best friend. So, and yeah, but anyways, um, yeah, so, me immigrated to the United States and um, my parents actually had to start over. So um, in Nigeria, my mom got her bachelor's degree in engineering um, and my dad had a um, master's, uh, bachelor's and master's degree in English in Nigeria. However, when it came to the United States, um, for some reason, their degrees kind of didn't translate well into the American system. And so they had to start all over. So both mm. my parents went through community college um, and then to get their associates, bachelors. Um, my mom had now has her master's degree and my dad now has a doctorate's degree wow. um, both in nursing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm, both in nursing. And, and the reason why they, they chose nursing, um, they always tell me is because when they immigrated to the United States, they had, they of course had their passions, but they had to make difficult decisions on what was the most, the easiest and most realistic to be able to create opportunities and kind of build a family here. And um, 
as immigrants, it's very difficult to, uh, not only as immigrants, but also as people of color, it's very difficult to um, kind of enter a field in a new country um, without having that kind of prior experience or things like that. And so um, they saw that nursing was the field that had a lot of, always has a lot of jobs, a lot of openings, always needs staff um, in the healthcare field in general. And that was where we, they felt was the, the kind of the best option for them, um, sure. even though it wasn't their direct option, direct passions. And so, yeah, so they kind of worked their way up. And so I've always had that, that value of working hard and of prioritizing my education instilled in me from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I went to North High School in North St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and I was really involved in a lot of things in high school. Um, of course, my parents always prioritized me getting good grades. That was always super important. Um, but I've always been kind of a visionary. <laughs> That's the one word I like to use to describe myself, meaning like I'm always coming up with new ideas of things to start, things to initiate, like um, things to impact whatever space or community or environment I, I'm in, in the, at the time. Um, and I always like to dream big, um, even in as as young as um, elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in elementary school, uh, in fifth grade, um, I talked to my teacher because I really wanted to start this dance group. <laughs> oh, really? And, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a story I don't really tell very often, but I really wanted to start a dance group. group and I, I wrote this whole entire like step-by-step program of how this this dance group was going to work and how I was going to choreograph the dance moves. And it was all based on shake it up, which was one of my favorite shows at the time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah. So like even at an early age, I always wanted to like start things and I always dreamed big and wanted to kind of leave some type of impact in my environment. Um, Love it. And so in high school, I, I got really involved in things um, and I um, tried to, you know, try to like, um, not just get leadership experience, but then also like find a way to impact people in some way. And mm-hmm. found myself at WashU. So before we go on to WashU, uh, do you have any? Did you mention? Do you have any siblings? Do you have any any younger siblings, oh. perhaps? Or yes, yeah. Sorry, I completely left that out. <laughs> um, I'm the oldest. <laughs> if they're listening, we don't want to upset them, right? So right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I'm the oldest sibling, um, and I think that also has a lot to do with the way that I am and being very um, like outgoing and, and resourceful and initiating things because I've sure. always had that sense of responsibility. Right. Um, and so I have a, a younger brother who is 18 now. He's going to graduate um, class of 2022. Wow. Um, and I have another sister who is um, a junior in high school. Um, she's really interested in architecture, so I'm going to see if I can convince her to come to that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then That's I great. have a baby sister. Um, she's six years old in first grade. Um, yeah, those are my siblings. Fantastic. Well, they all must look up to you. I'm mm-hmm. sure they do. Uh, well, that's awesome. So you, uh, but in between, uh, you said you got into Wash U and actually Beyond Boundaries. In fact, I remember uh, emails yeah. back and forth. Um, but uh, you know, with the onset of the pandemic and that type of thing, you opted to take a gap year. Um, do you want to talk about that, or did I skip anything along the way? No, nope, that's that's perfect. Um, 
so basically how that story happened was um, I knew from like junior year of high school that I really wanted to go to WashU because um, I had attended this um, college um, info session mm-hmm. um, with like WashU, Johns Hopkins, um, Emory, a bunch of other peer institutions. Um, and I just, I fell in love, fell in love with WashU. Like the thing that really stood out with me, stood out to me was um, that the know every student by name and by story. And I can attest now that I'm at WashU that that is so true. Like every professor I've met here, every person I've come across have have tried to make um, the effort to learn your name and learn your story. And I really resonated with that. Um, Nice. And so... That was a I quote, by the way, from our former dean of students, uh, Dean McLeod. He he coined that term, and uh, I think mm-hmm. it's sort of an, uh, an honor his his legacy here. We we often um, I think that's a nice way to honor it. That's sort of how what he thought and how what we believe as as a sort of teaching philosophy here. But go on, sorry. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. No, that's mm-hmm. okay. I definitely didn't know that. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, so I um, got really interested in WashU. Um, I attended a program my ju- the summer after my junior year at the Olin Business School. Um, it's, it's called Bold. It's a woman in business program. And um, it just, I just absolutely loved it. Like it made me fall in love in, with the Olin Business School, with the values. And um, I got to meet some professors and some, um, the, the dean um, of, the, of the business school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was a really great experience. Um, and so, um, I applied to WashU and I actually was on a wait list at first. And so if anyone out there, um, gets waitlisted at a school, <laughs> don't let that deter you because I got waitlisted, but I still got into WashU and I still got into the Beyond Boundaries program too, which is very yes. selective. Um, Glad you said that. And so, mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. And, and so, um, I got my, the, the reason why I joined the National Guard though was, um, I got my financial aid package and um, it was, it was kind of one of those moments where you feel like your whole world is falling apart <laughs> because <laughs> I had just, I had put WashU at, as my, essentially my dream school. And it was like everything that I was striving for and working for, for, for like two years. And then all of a sudden I got my financial aid package and I was like, dang, I cannot afford mm-hmm. to go to this school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so, um, I was kind of trying to evaluate my options. I had applied to a few scholarships, but, um, it didn't, I didn't get as much money as I expected. And, um, and so I had to kind of figure out, you know, what was my next best option. And, um, um, I, the, the, what's it called at my high school, um, the national guard, um, had a table set up and, in the cafeteria and I I would walk into the cafeteria one day just to get some lunch and they invited me to just spin the wheel to get a free backpack and I was like okay sure (laughs) I never thought too much of it and at the time it's funny because at the time I had never considered myself someone that would join the National Guard or join the Army I was like absolutely not that is not me that is not my past in life (laughs) um and so they're like, oh, you want a free backpack? And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, my backpack's kind of broken, you know, kind of ripped right now. Let me, <laughs> let me get a free backpack. <laughs> nice. Um, and so little, little did I know that was just a marketing tool <laughs> that they used to draw me into their office. And so of course. I found myself sitting in their office to get a backpack. And 
And then they um, kind of started talking to me about the National Guard, um, what it is, what it stands for, um, the opportunities it provides for, for college. Mm-hmm. And because I was very desperate at the time to figure out a way to pay for WashU because I knew at the end of the day, like, I really wanted to go to the school. Um, I started to actually seriously consider it. Um, and so it was just the timing. I think the timing of everything was just perfect because mm-hmm. in, in March and April, that's when the pandemic hit. Yep. That's when I got my financial aid package, found out I got into WashU. And it was just so many moving pieces and so much uncertainty at the time. Mm, and sure. the way that the National Guard was presented to me was like, this was a stable option. No matter, mm. um, it was going to help me pay for college. And then also, no matter how the economy is doing, I would always have some type of stable source of um, of money, money essentially. <clears throat> yeah. And so I took that option. Um and I knew I was going to take a gap year anyways because high school was just rough and stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to take a gap year even before joining um, the National Guard. But, oh, um, gotcha. I, um, yeah, so, but then they said that I had to go through training in October. So I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely need to take a gap year so I can complete training. Mm-hmm. Um, and the training, full training was about seven to eight months. Um, wow. So, yeah. I signed my during, contract in April. Yeah, during a pandemic, no less. Like, <laughs> that's during the quite, pandemic. Quite the challenge. Yeah, it was it was definitely crazy, but I'm so glad I did it. I think it's definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. In my that's life fantastic. Department. Well, then talk to us a little bit about your, you know, specific uh, title, behavioral health technician. What what does that entail? How do you, uh, you know, what makes that different than than someone else in the ranks? Right. Um, so I think in my personal opinion, I think the behavioral health, um, is probably one of the most important jobs in the army right now. Um, because especially in, um, in the time that we are with a pandemic, with so, with so many things going on, like people's mental health has taken a hit and especially soldiers and service members, like mental health um it's so important and it's and it it can be kind of taboo it's not talked about enough especially for service members or or especially for veterans i mean um who suffer from ptsd and things like that um it's just seeking help and feeling comfortable enough to get help um is a barrier that like kind of has to be um broken down and so what I do as a behavioral health tech is I um, essentially like provide or, or like assist with um, inpatient and outpatient mental health services. So I kind of have give like counseling sessions um, with, with um, the guidance of my provider, of course, because I don't have like a professional medical license. But um, with the guidance of my, of my provider, I kind of give counseling sessions. Um, I do a lot of um, kind of initiatives to bring more education and awareness about mental health issues. So mm-hmm. at my unit right now, we have a newsletter that goes out to all the, um, the soldiers in the unit. And we have about like 200 plus soldiers in the, in the, in the battalion. Yeah. Um, and I kind of give like mental health, health advice um, and provide resources um, for service members to, and, and also their family members and spouses. 
to be able to access mental health resources, as, especially during this time of the pandemic, which can feel very, very isolating. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I try to take mm. my job very seriously, even though I only work one weekend a month. Right. <laughs> For right. the weekends that I am at drill, I try my best to kind of take, especially that newsletter, very seriously. And take For sure. With giving that advice and resources. For sure. And I can't help but notice that, uh, you know, our chronologically at the moment, we're kind of in uh, spring of 2020 when all this is happening. You mentioned, you know, the pandemic began in March and and you decided to to do a, a gap year with the Army National Guard uh, in, Minnesota. in Minnesota. Um but right around the same time you founded a, a nonprofit called Pathway to College. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is education. Um, you know, again, going back to my backstory, um, my, my family, my, my parents um, instilled education as like a priority in me from a young age. Um, and it's really has been, I've seen it's been a way out, I guess. Um, it's like, a, a tool that you can use to kind of empower yourself, empower your community and kind of uplift yourself out of poverty, um, which is essentially what my parents did. Um, we went from living in very poor um, conditions in Nigeria. My dad had to go to Ghana actually and teach in Ghana to, get mm. to um, provide for us. Um, wow. And so we went from that to, kind of now living in like a stable middle-class home um, and having, you know, being able to support ourselves and, and pay for the things that we can um, and that we need. And so I've seen through my parents how empowering having, uh, how empowering education is. Um, but then I've also noticed throughout my experiences in high school too, that how the kind of like the, the, um, the, lack of access to education um, among people of color, among people of low-income backgrounds, um, and how much of an effect that has on their future careers. It's almost like a cycle, like it's yeah. so difficult to break out of when if once your parents come from a low-income background, it's so, so difficult to kind of right. break out of that. Um, and so I became very, very passionate about education. Um, and, and so what I tried to do since I, um, I, I got into Wash U and I got accepted into um, a lot of other top 20 schools, um, I wanted to kind of be a, a resource or be, and be a guide to other high school students, um, mm -hmm. who wanted to kind of, um, go on, go into that path and get into a top school and kind of provide better opportunities for themselves through education. Um, and so I started that pathway to college um, with a friend um, who attends Georgetown University. Um, we both went to the same high school. Mm -hmm. And I started to notice like a few other students in my high school, like after I graduated, a few other students in my high school contacted me and asked me like, hey, like, it's so cool that you got into Wash U. I admire you. I admire everything that you've done. And I was wondering if you could kind of, you know, help me look over my essay or kind of give me some advice on, on applying to top schools. Nice. Um, and uh, for some context too, my high school um, is, um, I think it's like 70 or 80% free or reduced lunch. Most students there like either don't even go to college and, um, or like because they can't afford to go to college or um, um, a lot of students too like find themselves and like 
they have so much potential. They want to go to um, good schools, but they end up going to community college because they can't afford it or they don't go to college at all. Um, and so like um, I myself um, and I think just like two or three other students that I know um, have gone to top universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to kind of guide more students in that path. And so me and my friend that also went to my high school that goes to Georgetown University now, uh, we start, started Pathway to College, and which is kind of, it's, it's pretty small, but it's kind of like an online um, program where um, high school students can kind of join and attend um, weekly Zoom sessions where we just talked about um, um, like different aspects of the college application process, what you should right. do in high school, reviewing right. essays, things like that. And, and kind of, and then we also matched them with mentors. So what we did was we took advantage of our networks of all the students, other students who go to top schools that we've met throughout um, different programs and such to kind of match them with mentors um, wow. or match them with high school students. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we took advantage of the fact that, you know, with the pandemic, everything was online. So yeah. that helped a lot, like to be able to reach more people and to be able to get more mentors for students sure. and kind of try to do the best that we can. To help Amazing. Them. I gotta say, Aisha, I'm, you know, uh, you're good at so many things. One of the things you're not good at is taking compliments. So I hope you'll take this one. But it's extraordinary to me that that you and your friend, do you want to give her a shout out? What was her name? Oh, yeah. Ashley Renstead. Gotcha. You, you and Ashley decided that there was this need that there that for students high school students to make hope visible for them and uh, i think it's just extraordinary that you not only recognize the need but you did something about it that's what's just amazing to me you you sort of um not only just had the idea but you followed through which is extraordinary not surprising what i know about you but uh it's just amazing that you did that so um pathway to college is the nonprofit. it's uh it says here on your linkedin uh, you hold virtual college panels bringing together college students from 25 plus different institutions host eight week summer course for high school freshmen um, to discuss every single aspect of the college admissions process. So um, what an amazing thing to do. I, I just find that incredible. Anyway, uh, moving <laughs> moving on to, let's see where we are. We were at June of 2020 when you co-founded that uh, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So you're uh, starting at WashU in the fall, uh, a couple months later actually of, uh, of 2020 at WashU. How was, uh, how was your first semester? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was the gap year. That's true. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's right. I've I've got my dates mixed up. So you went into your gap year um, with the Army National Guard. And then, if I'm not skipping anything, fall of 2021 is when you started here at WashU. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, So Actually, if you don't mind, I would like to just briefly <laughs> talk about. <laughs> Please do. Briefly talk about my experience um, with with training. Um, oh sure. My gap year. You bet. Um. So like, yeah. So definitely. So like, um, when I enlisted in the National Guard, like whenever you enlist, you have to go through training for um for uh, for several months before you of start course. kind of working as yeah. as your role in the, in the army. Training that um, I like, training that me personally, I would never likely survive. <laughs> I don't think, but it's essentially boot camp. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's, 
it was Not crazy. A- and I don't know how I survived it either, but I got through it. But, um, <laughs> Talk about that. But what I wanted to say about that was, so through my training, um, so one thing going in that I also d- definitely needed to grapple with um, was the fact that I was going into not only a very difficult physical environment, um, an environment that was difficult on your on your physical, but I also had to realize that I, as a Black Muslim woman, there are also other things that I had to navigate in that space. And I'm so, so grateful that I had mentors that talked to me before I go went through that told me like, hey, like when you get in there, there might be some people that, there will be people that will make it difficult to practice your religion. Um, or circumstances that will make it difficult to practice your religion. They might even say that you can't wear your hijab because I, I wear the hijab and that's really important to me. Right. Um, and so you have to stand up for what you believe in and mm. fight for what you need because if you don't fight for it, nobody will. And so going in, having that in the back of my mind, like I had to advocate for myself all the time. I had to find chaplains. So the army has chaplains that help with like religious services um, and religious rights. I had to find chaplains when I got to boot camp to um, help me kind of figure out a way that I could complete my prayers during training. And and I had to kind of go through a process of getting a, uh, a memorandum, which is kind of like an accommodation to be able to wear my hijab during training, to be able to still dress modestly, so kind of wear long sleeves, um, leggings under my training uniform, things like that. Um, so that was really important to me. And I had so many experiences throughout training where like that was challenged, like my, my religious rights were challenged and I had right. to kind of stand up for myself. Wow. Um, and so I kind of hope by telling that story, that kind of inspires someone. Um, oh, for sure. To, yeah. And definitely advocate for themselves. Yeah. And certainly unlikely not the last time in your life that you'll run into challenges like that. And, and what an experience to, you know, to, to have the, the resiliency to, to get through that. But amazing. My, you can't see, people can't on the podcast see my jaw, but it's on the floor right now. (laughs) 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 I'm just so amazed by you. So, uh, so yes, thanks for sharing that though. I I think that was an important aspect of your, um, your gap year experience. We didn't want to skip over, but then, um, starting in the fall of 2021 as a beyond boundaries program student in the mighty class of 2025. Um, what's it been like? How, how was your first semester here? Um, it was pretty good. Um, I think it was a lot to navigate because of course I took a, a gap year. I took a year off, so I hadn't kind of do done a lot of like, um, like schoolwork and things like that in a long time. So I had to get back into the, the kind of the routine. Um, but I learned, I met so many people. I did um, the, um, a, a program during the summer that introduced me to a lot of students um, called FSAP. And so I met a lot of stu- students of color. So I was able to, I was able to kind of build a community before going in. So that helped a lot. Um, and I think the combination of that and also taking a gap year, um, and being kind of like older than everyone else kind of gave me a sense of maturity. Yeah. I think when people, everyone comes in the first, you know, week or first month of college, it's, it's like navigating that new sense of freedom and, and trying to, you know, balance your new schedule and that you create for yourself and things like that. But like, I had already been doing that for a long time. Like I had already been out on my own for months um, right. living on, on my own without my parents and things like that. And so 
I definitely did notice a different level of maturity where, like, I wasn't necessarily excited about the same things that everybody else was excited <laughs> about. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but sure. I was kind of, I was just like, yeah, yeah, you know, this isn't new to me. Like, uh, that's cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely grateful for FSAP that gave me that community and a lot of skills. Um, yeah. And then also, like, my year, my with my first semester, I learned a lot about time management. I learned a lot um, about just so many things. Like I, even through like Beyond Boundaries classes, like I just, I made so many connections. Mm. Um, I tried to make it to make it a point um, to try to network with people. Um, so going in, one of my goals for the semester was to try to at least once every two weeks, have an informational interview with like a professor or mm. I took advantage of like the panels the yeah. guest panels that we had in the Beyond Boundaries seminar and yeah. in um, designing creativity to kind of connect and network with those people and just have an informational interview, ask them like to tell me about their experience, advice, things like that. Yeah. Um, I want to, yeah, uh, like yeah, if I may, Aisha, I want to underline that about you as well. I, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit when I mentioned the um, Pathway to College nonprofit that you started, that you didn't just have the idea, you executed that idea, right? You went through with it. And you, mm -hmm. I find that there are so few students like you that are like, ah, this person, their research really trips my trigger, as we say in Texas. <laughs> like, they really excite <laughs> me. I really want to um, get to know them. And you, you would have that thought, and at the same time, you would you would execute it. You would have uh, a coffee with uh, Dr. Daryl Hudson, for example. You introduced in the Design and Creativity course. So, I find that just so rare and yet so necessary for a student to realize that these four years, let's face it, are going to fly by and that you have to kind of um, really tap the resource that is this institution for all that it's worth and um, getting past whatever fear you might have that you don't have clearly uh, that a student might have a fear of reaching out to a to a colleague to say hey i i really think you're cool and i think what the work that you do is really inspiring do you mind if we chat about it over coffee i mean it's just it's a small thing and yet it's a thing that a lot of students just don't do so i just have to again sort of hold up that lesson that you've already learned um, to others so that they perhaps follow in your footsteps. Definitely. Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate that. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, because I, I definitely realized the importance of networking yeah. like right off the bat. Um, I also read a lot of like self-help, like self-development books, and I also really like reading like autobiographies of like successful people. And like the, all, the common thread through all of it is everyone who has like made it big or reached a, a, a high level of success had someone they knew that kind of helped them get there. Um, and it's like, like you definitely like putting in a lot of work and, and being resourceful is important, but at the same time, like there also is a level of who, you know, in that, um, and finding opportunities and connecting you with opportunities. And especially in today's job market, like that, so many people are applying for the same roles and for the same jobs and things like that. Like yep. people who get selected are people who kind of have some type of connection with that organization or with someone in that organization already. So for then sure. when the employers see your application, they put a face in the name. And yep. so learning that I was like, I knew I had to prioritize that going in to just mm. try to make as many connections and meet as many people and network 
as yeah. much as possible. I was talking to a WashU, I think, in essence, it's not a giant school, right? It's a relatively small mm-hmm. institution. I was talking to a colleague of mine in Scandalera Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. And uh, he mentioned, oh, we had this function and it was for gap year students. You know, we realized we don't cater too much to the gap year students, but there are a number of students coming in in the fall of 2021 that are gap year. And I turned to him and I'm like, I bet you Aisha Adedayo was there. And he goes, yeah, she was. <laughs> And I was like, I I didn't need to like take a chance because I knew there's an example of an opportunity that you did not pass up. And I it was I didn't even see the guest list or anything, but I was like, I bet you Aisha was there. So uh, he's like, yeah, she was great, you know. So uh, anyway, uh, I just think that's that's I, I just want to make sure that that we underline that for those that are listening that it's an important uh, quality that you possess to to just go for it. Um, uh, sorry, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the courses that you took in the fall? You took my creativity course, you took Beyond Boundaries Seminar, being, um, you know, the thumb of the four fingers, as we say, you're, you're currently, uh, your prime, prime division is Beyond Boundaries, but you get your choice at the end of March this year, actually, to decide which division you want to land in. It appears that you're heading for Olin School of Business, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, the courses you took in your fall semester along those lines, along the sort of Olin business lines. Definitely. Um, I took um, Management 100, which is yeah. um, or Individual in a Managerial Environment. It's kind of the, um, the intro class to the business school. Um, and I learned so much through that class, too, as well, um, especially when it comes to, um, like, um, case, inter- or case studies, case competitions. Uh, which is like a new term that I had to kind of um, learn and new skills that I had to learn as well. Um, I also took Management 150, Foundations of Business, which is a class where they have um, um, like different guests or they have different guest lecturers from different aspects of the business school. So you basically get exposure to all the different majors and all the different kind of career paths you can take within the business school. Um, so that was also very insightful and helped me decide. Hello, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that helped me really figure out like what I wanted to pursue as a major. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I landed on organization and strategic management. Because um, I was really interested in organ- organizational behavior and teams mm-hmm. and how organ- like organizations work um, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I also took calculus too, which <laughs> isn't super exciting, but I figured I had to throw that in there. <laughs> the way your voice changed, it was hilarious. And then I also took, you know, this root canal called. <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to laugh at your, uh, you know, <laughs> your difficulty with that course, but. No, I'm going okay, okay. to bet there's a lot of students that would probably introduce that class in the same fashion that you just did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, your organization and strategic management major, that's your intention here at WashU. Um, uh, any ideas of what you might, if you, if at all, want to minor in at this point? Um, not to say there's anything yeah. wrong with just one major, but ideas you might have in mind? Yes. So I'm very interested in minoring in psychology. Um, mm. I, I've, all, I've already have an interest in mental health, as you can see with my behavioral health role in the Army National Guard. 
Um, but I'm also really interested in people and how people think and how people work um, and, and why people behave in certain ways. And I think that is going to be a very helpful tool or helpful skill um, that goes along with like my major of organization strategic management. For sure. Um, and so I, I felt like that occurred pretty well. And I'm also really interested in, in some three, two programs as well. Um, and so I'm thinking of, maybe pursuing a 3-2 MBA mm-hmm. or maybe a 3-2 um, in, in the Brown School. Yeah. That's was my primary interest coming in. Um, so I'm kind of just navigating that, trying to find, um, you know, things that'll go along the lines of my interest in business and then also in, in psychology and mental health. Yeah. You remind me a lot of Tinwola in that case, uh, in that way, that uh, mm-hmm. she's pursuing a 3-2 as well. For those that don't know, a 3-2 is um, where you get an undergraduate degree in just three years and then continue two years elsewhere, could be a different institution or this one, uh, and get a master's degree at the end of those two years. So uh, two degrees in five years is how it works. Um, but uh, I'm not surprised that that might be your pursuit. That's great. Um, so uh, you said that you also have uh, other kind of ideas for, for businesses. One of them was a surprise to me until I checked out your LinkedIn page. And it was this new photography uh, business you started up. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, one of my other passions is photography. I love, love creating images and telling and storytelling through images. Um, and so... Um, I kind of did that as a kind of like a, a hobby, um, um, kind of like freelance work for some time. And then I decided I was going to start an official business um, through this. And it was actually through the um, seminar class we had where we did the mind mapping activity. Uh, oh, and nice. Kind of like, yeah. So that yeah. kind of challenged me to kind of dream a little bit bigger, I guess. I love it. Um and so, yeah, so I was like, oh, why not? Like, let me do this. I have a great opportunity, um, especially with WashU students, which is what I'm trying to focus on, like the WashU and St. Louis community. Yeah. Um, of like, it could be a, a, a tool to like network with people, which is really sure. nice about photography too. You get to meet so many different people, but it also a way to kind of tell people's stories, which I'm really passionate about. And nice. so I started Narrative Portraits, um, which is kind of a photography um, company, um, not an official LLC yet, but well, we're getting there. Um, and I kind of take portrait photos. So um, um, anything from like senior photos, graduation pictures, um, yeah. couples pictures, family pictures is kind of what I'm focused on. Yeah. I love how you just say you kind of take portrait photos. These are stunning photos. <laughs> Let me just say, like, uh, I've checked out your Instagram uh, uh, page for this. It, the, some of the work I didn't know you had this in you. To be honest, that you could you could shoot photos like this. So I'm uh, amazing to me. Like I, I, I was a I get of a uh, should I say it was a surprise and yet not a surprise. I was like, wait what narrative portraits what's this wait a minute she's got this business and then i'm like why am i not surprised it's it's aisha <laughs> right? so uh so honestly amazing. and that goes to say like for people who are listening sorry I didn't interrupt, but for people who are listening if you have a skill or a kind of a side hobby out there yeah. honestly put yourself out there and right. back yourself you know believe in yourself because it's so important because i didn't see myself as starting like an official business with this it was just something i did for fun because i didn't think yeah. i was good enough at photography to be able to charge people money for it 
But uh-huh. my friend, you know, she looked at my photos and she was like, you should be charging people. Like, you're Hello. beautiful photos for free. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. They're stunning. They really are amazing photos. It's not just something you started. It's this. Uh, it's this talent that you're kind of um, making a a, a, a vol- or what am I trying to say? A, a a connection for for yourself and for others. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, we'll make sure we drop the link in the podcast description to Narrative Portraits. That's the yes, please, name. and my website too. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Of course. Um, but uh, this has been delightful to kind of catch up with you. Uh, uh, are there any other sort of business ideas we should we should chat about before I ask the last question for you? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> what else is what else is going on in Aisha's brain that we may not know? Uh, is there so a world I'm, domination takeover plan you have? Um, this, maybe this you and Oprah are going to go together yeah. on something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. No, Michelle Obama. <laughs> I to dominate the world with Michelle Obama. I've achieved ultimate success. There you go. Literally. I'm sure but, it's, um, I, it's not, it's not a, have, it's a probability that that will happen in my opinion. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> but definitely um, what my other kind of um, entrepreneurial goal that I have in mind is starting kind of uh, this um nonprofit organization called Passage, um, uh which is kind of in the works. um, And it's basically um, an online platform where students or high school students can get connected to mentors across different industries um, and kind of get help uh, or get get advice on like navigating like careers, um, what they can be doing in high school to get them closer to whatever career path they want to pursue. And it also introduced them to a kind of interdisciplinary career paths, which is Hmm. what is what a lot. um, I'm sorry, what a majority of um, industries are turning into nowadays is very interdisciplinary. Um, Definitely. And so definitely inspired by Beyond Boundaries, um, (laughs) for sure. And then also inspired by a lot of the educational initiatives that I did in high school. Of course. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Can't wait to see what that what that brings. I, I think many of my colleagues in higher education, we we do it for a number of reasons. But one of the primary reasons is is that we love students. We love um, paying it forward um, to students that we or it's not too long ago that I was, you know, 18 years old. Actually, it was a long time ago, but, <laughs> you know, I can still remember it. Uh, and uh, and it's it's, uh, it's something I love to do is try to try to help students um, visualize their future in a sense. So um, I think that sounds fantastic. Um, we, we like to wrap up uh, the, the podcast by asking a question of all the guests. You are no exception. Um, if you could go back in time, in this case, uh, let's say back just a semester to August of 2021, um, over the course of the last semester, what advice would you give yourself that you, you didn't know at that time um, that you would whisper in your own ear? Hmm. I would say keep your end goals within view and literally like not just like an idea in your head that you reference, but kind of like put it, you know, on your wall or like on your desk or somewhere where it's constantly visible. Uh-huh. I think um, it's very easy to lose sight or fall off track of, um, of your goals, especially in, in the time that we're living now where there's just, there's just so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like found myself this past semester falling in kind of like a 
motivational ruts where I just kind of lost sight of that. So sure. that would definitely be my advice. Got it. Yeah. Literally making a, a sort of a visual reminder of what, what you're here to do, what, you know, your, your goals in mind. Yes. Is that right? I love exactly. that. I love that. Nice. It reminds me a little bit of the, um, I've had a number of students, I'm not sure if you did as well, but in the, in the creativity course, um, to introduce the failure section, which I, which I do the intro lecture for, I hand out a certificate of failure <laughs> to all the oh, students. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it pretty much is like, I don't know, it's sort of like a get out of jail free card. You know, it's like, look, we're all going to fail. Here's your certificate of failure. It's going to, it's your pass for any failure that you might, you know, encounter because fact is we're all going to encounter failure. And, um, uh, for some reason, students have told me that they, they put that on their wall <laughs> and they see it uh, when they wake up, I guess, or whatever. So they'd see it all the time, but, That's um, smart. yeah. Um, but, uh, whatever, whatever they want to put on their wall is up to them, of course. But, uh, sometimes mm -hmm. students have the certificate of failure there, but, uh, it's really wise advice to kind of make sure you're, uh, focused every day on, on what it is you do here. But, um, Aisha, it's been such a delightful opportunity to talk to you about your backstory, even parts of it I did not know, actually, and um, it only reinforces for me just how extraordinary you are as a student, as a person, as a human being. It's amazing to me that uh, that um, I, I don't recall having the level of maturity and gumption, I guess, is a word that comes to mind that you have when I was when I was 18 or 19 years old. It's incredible to me. So it's been delightful. I can't cannot wait to see the jet trajectory you you form uh, after this. You know, it's going to be amazing to see the bright, bright future you have ahead of you. So um, thank you. Thank you for, so much, Rob. That's so sweet. Uh, well, I mean, for everyone listening to the podcast and myself, thank you for taking the time to, to really tell us your backstory, uh, right, you know, all the way back to your parents' backstory, which is also extraordinary. Um, I'm really inspired to talk to you. So, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, have of a, course. It's, it was fun. Yeah. Have a great uh, spring semester. I guess we're already in it, but have a great rest of your spring semester, and I look forward to seeing you in class. Thank you. You too. Have a nice day. Okay. You too.